Welcome to MoneyMD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Ryan, here we are, you know, marching our way through summer. Um, and uh, welcome to the show, by the way. I know John bailed on at the last minute. Yeah, he had, I had to cover for him. I guess he's kind of scared about talking about football since it's coming I, up. I think he's a little nervous talking about Garrett Carolina, you know, given yeah. that Clemson's ranked preseason number two. And, you know, he's yeah. just, yeah, I think he's... I think he's starting to get a little just, nervous about talking. He doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah, he bailed on the show this morning. <laughs> well, anyway, no, I'm sure he had a good reason, but, you know, welcome to the show this morning. Yeah, yeah I mean, we have a lot to talk about, but, um, you know, football is right around the corner. That's that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, Clemson starts off playing Georgia right out of the box. Biggest game of that week. It's about a week away, so yeah, really that's, exciting. That's going to be something. And we had the FedEx playoffs going on, you FedEx. know, and that's... That's pretty interesting. Um, if you're in the into golf, which of course I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, still hot outside. <laughs> it is still hot and humid outside. Boy, I went out this morning and I was just tripping in just a few minutes because the humidity was 94 percent at 77 degrees, and yeah, you know that's a tough morning. But I I think cooler weather is right around the corner, so we can I hope take so. heart. We could take heart. I think we're getting there. Um, so we have a great show to talk about this morning. You know, we're going to talk about the tricky questions for HSAs and we're the answers to those. Um, there's a lot of nuances with HSAs and a lot of great reasons to take advantage of it. So we're going to dig into that this morning. That's a great topic. So you want to stay tuned for that. Yeah, and we're also going to cover military benefits. Um, we serve a lot of military being here in Augusta. So it'd be really cool to just kind of do an overview of the benefits that military personnel get. Yeah, that's really important, and there's a lot of benefits to it. You know, whenever I sit down with military folks, I mean, I, you know, you start digging into it, and and yeah, they're, you know, they have Tricare and and just a lot, you know, pensions, and a lot of times they have disability. So there's a lot of opportunity there, and um, yeah, so understanding that if one of your loved ones or yourself, you know, involved in the military, um, or if you're considering, you know, going in the military yeah. as a young person, I mean. Those benefits are terrific. So yeah, I didn't know any of this until I started working in this field. So yeah, it's really, a really, interesting. really interesting. There's a lot of benefits there. That'll be a great topic. We've never talked about that before. Um, and by the way, my name is Steve Marber, and I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 26 years of experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm also a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. There you go. And um, we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday uh, morning, actually. Um, and, uh, you know, check out our, our website. I mean, we have a tremendous amount of information on our website. Our shows are available there on the website. We have all the old shows there on moneymd.net. Um, you can also get us on iTunes. Um, so there's lots of ways to listen to us. And uh, all our old shows are listed there by topic. So um, yeah. you'll be able to go through and you know, see all the information, hordes of information. We've been doing this over over 10 years now. So, uh, and then also check out our website. You can link to us there. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And we will talk about those questions right here on the show. Well, uh, Ryan, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, so check this out. So since 1980, Monday, um, Monday has been both the best single-day stock market performance, and that's you know 11.6% gain on in October of 2008, 
And also, it was has the worst single-day performance, down 20.5% uh, drop in 1987. Ouch. Yeah, so Monday's that day. <laughs> well, yeah, Mondays, Mondays can be very volatile, and yeah. I think that's what they're saying here. Um, and that's probably because, you know, I mean, the news accumulates all weekend, and there can be yeah. some pretty dramatic things happen over the weekend, and then it gets reflected in the stock market on Monday. So Monday just tends to be, you know, or can be very volatile. Yeah. Um, but return-wise, Mondays isn't necessarily a bad day. A lot yeah. of times it's an up day, um, just as it quoted here back in, you know, what, 2008, the Monday after after the big downturn, it jumped 11%. So mm-hmm. uh, so you never know about Monday, but it's a, it's a volatile day. That's so, right. Yeah. So hold on to your seat, you know, strap in for Monday because <laughs> <laughs> you never know what the market's going to do. Good fact of the week. All right. And that leads us up here to our first topic here, and that is answers to the tricky HSA questions. Um, this is based on an article out of Bottom Line, Inc., very recently, Um Roy Rantham, Rantham, yeah, I think that's the name. Um, anyway, but Ryan, I mean, HSA accounts, that's health savings accounts, they can be somewhat tricky. I mean, for instance, I met with a client just this week who didn't know um, that you could easily invest money inside your HSA to get stock market type returns. Hmm. Um, he also had never considered not spending the money and letting it build up, you know, he was just putting it in there and just taking it right back out out of HSA bank um, and not getting any interest or, you know, much for it. Um, but unfortunately, there are a lot of nuanced provisions and strategies related to health savings accounts, which are lost on most people. So we're going to revisit those today, dig a little deeper and answer some of those tricky questions that are often overlooked by the average investor. Yeah, and I think it'd be good first to kind of do a little bit of a background on HSAs. And, you know, over the years, there's been a push in Washington to expand um, HSAs. Uh, These plans, you know, already give people who have a qualifying high-deductible health insurance plan a nice tax break by allowing them to use tax-deductible and tax-free money to pay for medical expenses. Um, But even without expanding the program, there's a lot of benefits and strategies to take advantage of when it comes to HSAs. And unfortunately, like you said, many people just don't fully understand them. Yeah, that's exactly right. So here are some of the key answers and questions about HSA rules that may help you kind of obtain and understand, you know, what the greatest benefits are um, and also avoid the expenses and penalties associated with HSAs along the way. So first question, though, is, you know, should I put money in HSA rather than a retirement account such as a 401k if I can't afford to do both? Um, And the answer to that, Ryan, depends on whether or not your employer matches your retirement plan contributions. Um, I mean, if it does, then certainly you got to get those match contributions to your 401k plan um, because, I mean, you know, that's free money. Right. So you got to get that. kind of as a first priority, but if there's no matching, you know, or if you're already maxing out your your match in your 401k plan, then I think the HSA's tax advantages make it a very attractive option for those next dollars. Um, in fact, I mean, the HSA <clears throat> gets, gets the deductible tax benefit of a 401k plan, along with the tax-free benefit of a Roth IRA. Um, if the money is used for medical expenses. So it really gets kind of a double tax benefit, kind of gets the best of, a, of an IRA as the deduction, and then it gets the best of the Roth IRA 
for being tax-free when it comes out. So it really, that makes it the best tax-advantaged investment vehicle on the planet, in yes. my opinion. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's very, very good. So that was a good question. My next, The next question here, though, is my HSA is basically a bank account that pays little or no interest. How can I... How can it become an attractive long-term investment account? Um, and that's a great question because, you know, just like the guy I met with this week, um, you know, didn't really realize that you could invest it and get market stock market type returns. Um, there are a lot of HSAs out there that earn little or no interest, and which is fine if you only want the immediate tax deduction mm-hmm. and you need to use the money in your HSA to pay for health-related expenses immediately. Um but not so fast. I mean, you know, if you have a choice, then you need to delay spending that money until long in retirement, actually. Um, and then you need to choose a financial institution which allows you to invest that money in the stock market, like in mutual funds, so you can get stock market type returns. Um, so if your HSA doesn't currently allow that, if they don't allow you to invest in um you know, mutual funds inside your HSA, then you need to find another HSA provider like Health Savings Administrators is one of those, um, which you can access at healthsavings.com. Or another one is is Healthy Health Equity, um, which is at healthequity.com. And those both offer access to numerous low-cost, highly rated mutual funds like Vanguard, DFA, and, and funds like that. Um, and then you can transfer your existing HSA balance from your current provider into those that new uh, provider account. And uh, then you can invest it for stock market type returns. And like I said, you know, my suggestion would be not to spend the money, let it accumulate, let it grow for years and years and spend, you know, your, your health, health uh, expenses out of your pocket for now. Just throw the receipts in a box and you can let those accumulate and as we're going to talk about later, you can still get the reimbursed out of the plan for those expenses at a later date. That's correct. And, you know, going back to that, you know, health, you know, healthcare costs are just going to get more expensive as we get older. And so making sure that it's growing and that it's going to be there compared to as we're younger, um, especially for younger people, letting that save. So when you're older, you know, to help cover those more expensive healthcare costs. Right. Um, so that next, the next question is, you know, my employer selected a bank where my HSA is. Am I stuck with it? And that's a great question. Um, you're not. You know, you you are welcome to open an HSA wherever you would like, um, but it might be worth keeping that account open, uh, the one your employer selected, because if your employer makes contributions for you, um, you want to make sure you're taking advantage of that. If your employer's adding to your HSA, now you can, over time, periodically transfer that money from your employer selected HSA directly to the HSA of your choosing. But by the way, you know, payroll deductions are a great way to make HSA contributions um, if that's available because, you know, it helps them, it helps you, they can avoid Social Security and Medicare payroll taxes in addition to income taxes. Yeah, that's a big benefit, you know, that the money uh, comes out before tax and before uh, payroll taxes. Yeah, so that's, if you can get it through your employer, that's, that's a better way of doing it. So you certainly will take advantage of that. Um, and so another question here, though, Ryan, is, you know, are there restrictions that would make me ineligible to contribute to an HSA? And absolutely, with any good benefit, there are always some restrictions, right? <laughs> Nothing is <laughs> for course. everybody. Um, so, yes, in some circumstances, for instance, um, you know, if you're enrolled in Medicare and you're over 65, then you can't participate in an HSA. If you can be claimed as a dependent on somebody else's tax return, 
then you're not eligible. Or if you're covered by an additional insurance plan that pays benefits um, before your your HSA qualified plan does, then uh, that's not gonna that's gonna you know not allow you to participate in an HSA. Um, if you have like a flexible spending account um, through your employer rather than um, one that's just limited to dental and vision, uh, if you have one that can be used for medical, then then that'll also uh, kick you out of being eligible for an HSA account. Um, however, there's no income limits to being eligible for HSA, so you can participate in one as you know, regardless of your income level, which is unusual for most mm-hmm. most yeah, uh, you know tax benefits like that. And you don't have to be employed or uh, self-employed if you meet the other qualifications. So even if your employer didn't offer an HSA, you can open one on your home as long as you're covered with an HSA-qualified medical insurance plan. So you certainly can participate, but there are some restrictions there, as with everything. Another question is, can my spouse have a separate HSA account, and is that an advantage? Um, Well, the answer is yes, your spouse can have a separate HSA, even if he or she is covered by the same qualified health insurance plan that you are. Um, But there's only one advantage to having separate accounts. Um, You know, and to to, to understand the advantage, you need to understand how the contributions work. Because if you qualify for an HSA, you can contribute up to $3,600 this year, 2021, as an individual, or $7,200 as a family um, without ever paying federal, you know, taxes on that money um, or um, on any money that the account gains through in the investments or interest. Um, so that's kind of the, 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 the first step is understanding how much you can contribute. Yeah, and you, however, no, if you, if you are 55 or older, you, you know, there is a catch-up contribution for you, and that's $1,000 in total. Um, but if your spouse does have a separate account and she's 55 and older, he is, um, that's another thousand that can be going into that HSA. So that'd be $2,000 of, um, of that catch up for you. So there is, uh, that's where it would be an advantage to have two separate HSA accounts because you both could be doing a catch up and basically you're just saving a little bit more, um, each year. Yeah. So if you put it all in one account for your spouse, like I do with, with Kathy, um, mm-hmm. she has our HSA for both of us. We can only use one yeah. catch-up provision, um, yeah. so we don't want to get one extra thousand dollars. If we had separate ones, we get two extra thousand dollars. Correct. So we're missing out on a little bit of benefit there. But you know, I started that years ago, and I'm not going back and undoing it now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but <laughs> that's where we're at. I'm afraid. So I'm a perfect example of somebody that's not getting the full advantage of that. So next question here is: What happens if I need to take money out of my HSA to pay for a non-medical expense? Um, well, an HSA holder, you know, of, of any age, uh, has to pay tax on money they withdraw from the account that's used to pay non-qualified expenses. So, you know, if you're also if you're younger than 65, you have to pay a penalty of 20% on withdrawals for non-qualified medical expenses. Ouch. Yeah, that would be painful. However, keep in mind, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you can retain the receipts for medical expenses from the day you open the account. And then you can reimburse yourself later for those expenses, which is an unbelievable benefit, yeah. by the way. <laughs> I mean, that's like a that's a loophole, really. Yes. You know, I, I don't can't believe they're going to allow that forever. Um, but you can, you know. So so therefore, it's hard to imagine not being able to come up with enough expenses later in life, including what you've accumulated all along the way, 
to absorb your future withdrawals. So the key is to keep records, right, and keep the receipts, um, you know, of your out-of-pocket medical expenses from the day you open this account, put them in a box somewhere, save those up, and then when you get ready to withdraw the money, as long as you have enough receipts to cover that, um, you shouldn't be saddled with that 20% you know, penalty. You should not have a non-qualified withdrawal. Um, also, after age 65, you can always withdraw the money and just pay ordinary income tax without the penalty. So that's still just as good as an IRA. So you know, there's no need to incur that penalty. You can easily get around this. I mean, the HSA so. almost sounds too good to be true. <laughs> it really is. It's an incredible I mean, benefit. Yeah. yeah, if you if you got a qualifying health plan, you need to take advantage Absolutely. of the HSA. Yeah, and so the final question is, what if there's money left in my HSA when I die? That's a great question. So if you have a desig- if you've designated your spouse as the account beneficiary, the spouse can take over and use the HSA. If you designate someone other than your spouse as the beneficiary, the account ceases to function as an HSA after your death. So it's pretty important. Now, they can use um, the HSA money tax-free to pay eligible medical expenses that you incurred uh, but did not pay, so after you died. <clears throat> but any remaining money may be taxable income for the beneficiary um, if they're using it uh, for themselves. But if that beneficiary will not, um, but that beneficiary will not face a tax penalty. So they're just right. going to pay taxes on it, um, but they won't get the penalty. Um, so, again, it's just as good as an IRA for uh, the most part, even if you don't have enough unreimbursed expenses to offset the final withdrawal. But what we're learning from this is keep record of all your receipts. Keep Everything. record of receipts, Everything. yeah, because you can always get that money out. Yep. I wonder if you could pay for your funeral with HSA money. <laughs> is that a medical expense? I don't know. I mean, I it, they're pretty liberal <laughs> about these. It might qualify, you know, but... Anyway, we'll have to look that one up. I don't yeah. know the answer to that. But, you know, if you fail to designate a beneficiary or if it all the named beneficiaries die before you do, the money in the HSA will be distributed to your state, may be taxable on your final income tax return. So you want to take make sure you list beneficiaries on it. Um, don't leave it to your state. And uh, overall, I mean, it's hard to beat the tax benefits and the flexibility in an HSA. So if you have a qualifying health plan, make sure you take advantage of this tool to save in a tax-deferred and tax-free environment. I mean, it's hard to go wrong with these accounts. It really is. Yeah, and then depending on uh, if you could use it for a funeral, you might buy yourself a gold coffin or something like that. <laughs> you never know, <laughs> Tax-free. Man. There you go. Yeah, a funeral probably doesn't qualify, probably but I'll have no. to look that up. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, good topic, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, here's a recent question um, What we got from a client is, you know, I want to give money to my grandkids. What are some of the ways I can do this? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I mean, if it's for college money, then a 529 is kind of my favorite tool for that because, um, you know, you can still be the owner. So yeah. the, the, the donor, the, the grandparent, if you will, could still be the owner of the account, just list the grandchildren as the beneficiary. And then they can, if they don't go to college, they could change beneficiaries. Yeah. Um, you, but you can withdraw money, you know, from 529 plans to offset scholarships. Um, and you just pay ordinary income tax on the gains if you do that. Anyway, 529 plan is a great tool for that kind of money if it's for education. Now, if it's not for education, um, then I kind of like to see uh, people use a, a TOD account that they still own and control rather than putting it. I know the, the, the people tend to want to put it in the, in the child's name, right, yeah. the grandchild's name. But that does a couple things. One thing is it... It counts against them for 
scholarship money. Yeah. Right. Um, whenever it comes time to go to school, another thing it does is once they turn 18 or 21, whatever the age of majority is, it becomes their money. Yep. And that gets messy, right? There's that, imp- you know, the temptation to go spend the money um, and you lose control of it totally. I mean, once it's in their name, it, you can't take it back. So I'd rather see them put it in an account in their own name and then list the child as, as the beneficiary, TOD, transfer on death. Um, then you maintain control of it. It's totally flexible. You can always change the beneficiary. Doesn't hurt scholarships. Um, and then you can always fully gift it to them later. That's my favorite way, if you're not using a 529 plan, to gift money to kids. It's not completely a gift, obviously, but yeah. you're, you're marking it for them. You're setting it aside, and you're listing them as the beneficiary. So that would be my choice for that. Completely agree. It's always good to be generous, but also it's good to have some control, too. You don't want to lose that, con- that control. Yeah, not when it can mess them up exactly. you know, in the future. So, uh, yeah, good question. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is how much will you receive when you retire from the military? Um, great, great topic here, an article out of U.S. News and World Report. Yeah, I thought this would be a good topic today. This is by Rachel Hartman, and this is with U.S. News and World Report. And, you know, Steve, um, our office serves a lot of military and former military. We're in the Augusta area, so we're located outside of Fort Gordon here. And, you know, we have over about 100,000 active duty retired military and family in the area. So we have a wow. lot. It's a lot. Um, so we meet with a lot of military and former military on a regular basis here. So I figured it'd be good to review some of the benefits military members can expect to receive um, once their time with the military comes to an end. Um, so I thought it'd be good to talk about that. But one thing, did you know Fort Gordon actually has a 27-hole golf course on it? Well, I knew they had Gordon Lakes. Yeah, I played it once oh, many, many years ago. I didn't know it was 27 holes, but it was pretty good back then. I mean, they they, okay. they, they keep it up. I didn't, I mean, it sounds like a pretty big base. I've never been out there, but oh, I huge. mean, if they got golf course on there, it must be pretty big. And, you know, before we get started, we do want to thank those who currently serve as well as those who have served. You know, thank you for your service. Freedom does not come free. So thank you so much. Um, so with all that said, here's um, some of the be- benefits you can expect after leaving the military. Um, if you served, you know, several years or even decades in the military, when you, you when you step back into what they call civilian life, uh, what we do, um, you'll be eligible for a lot of different benefits. These perks take on different forms and might include pension, there's health coverage, disability benefits, um, and the specific amount you receive will depend on the length of time you've served as well as your rank. So we're going to cover retirement pays, some survivor benefits, medical benefits, and also some additional benefits today. Yeah, that's right. Now, we're going to start off here talking about retirement pay. Um, So the military offers a few retirement plans. So you'll want to see which one you have and and how it works. Um, You know, typically you need to serve at least 20 years to receive uh, retirement pay, a pension from the military. And, you know, the military pension plans um, they include a final pay type plan. Those are for military members that are older um, who began their years of active service or reserve service before 19, uh, September 8, 1980. Um, they're eligible for the final pay plan. Um, and then there's the, 30, the high 36 plan, and that plan is available to those who served between uh, September uh, in 2000, uh, 1980 and um I think up to 2018. So members, you know, receive their retirement pension based on the average of their highest 36 months of pay. And then, uh, so that's kind of the the two, you know, most common uh, retirement pays we see. But there's also a disability 
plan. Um, members who, you know, are determined to be medically unable to continue serving and have a uh, DOD um, disability rating of at least 30 percent might be eligible for that plan. And it calculates a monthly pay based on the final pay or the 30, high 36 plan, depending on which plan uh, you meet. Yeah, and the, another CBS slash REDUX, those who entered the military on or after August 1st of 1986 and elected to receive the career status bonus may apply this uh, for this plan. Um, the monthly payments are based on the average of the highest 36 months of basic pay with reductions made if members do not complete 30 years of service. And then also there's the blended retirement system. We see a lot of younger military um, that are in this. You know, beginning in 2018, the military established a blended retirement system, which provides benefits at 20 years of service. In addition, service members are, are allowed to contribute to an individual retirement plan. This is called the Thrift Savings Plan. It's like a 401k for the military. Uh, through this plan, members are automatically contribute 1% of their salary while, the mil uh, while in the military, and they can contribute more with the military matching up to 5% of salary per year. Uh, when members leave the military, they can opt to move this amount to an IRA if they choose, and these funds can grow over time and be withdrawn in retirement, just like with a 401k. Um, so their savings plan is a great plan. Yeah. Um, so next is the average military retirement pay. So the amount you can expect to receive every month is based on your plan and military status. Okay, so on average, one can expect to collect about one half of one's base pay upon retirement. Um, and so really that equates to about 30,000 to 35,000 per year for a typical enlisted person and about 60 to 70,000 for a typical officer. Um, these estimates refer to those who have served full-time active duty for their entire career. Uh, members retiring from the reserves can expect the retirement pay to be based on grade, tenure, and total points earned for the period periods work. So the reserves are a little different um, when it comes to that pay. Yeah, that's a tremendous pension benefit. You know, it's like a two and a half factor, you know, yeah. which most companies in commercial world have like a one and a half factor. Um, well, actually like a 1.2 factor. So that's double the pension you'd get a normal job. So it's tremendous, you yeah. know, I mean, if you're considering going to the military, it's certainly something to consider. Um, it's a great benefit. And there are a lot of military websites that include a calculator, allow you to enter your information, see what you kind of expect to, to get in uh, payment uh, terms. So just Google it and you can find several calculators out there that will give you a good estimate. Um, there's one called militarypay.defense.gov, which I thought really summarized all the benefits really well and, and has a link to a calculator there. Um, but there's also something, there's military survivor benefits. So at retirement, you might choose to pay a survivor benefit plan um, as a military member, which provides payments to your loved ones after your death. Um, and that involves you giving up a portion of your pension while they're alive <clears throat> to leave behind a benefit that equals about 55% of your pension um, to your survivor. Um, and that benefit might be left to a spouse, former spouse, children, or a combination of three. And it can also be given to somebody who has a financial interest, uh, like somebody that's financially dependent on you. Um, the most common of those options is to leave the benefit to your spouse. And if selected, it'll cost you about six and a half percent of their, your pension um, deducted monthly um, to provide that survivor, that 55 percent survivor benefit. So that's not a bad deal. 
um, certainly something to consider. Um, but consider how dependent, you know, your 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 spouse is or your um, the other dependents are on that pension and determine whether it makes sense for you. Yeah, the other benefit, big one, is military medical benefits. So TRICARE, um, you know, after retiring, you can expect to receive military medical coverage. Um, this program, uh, what like I said, is called TRICARE, but it's not only... Uh, guaranteed medical coverage for you, but it's also for spouses as well. So it's a really good program. Um, you know, prior to retirement, you're going to want to get a medical exam to document any ailments or chronic issues um, in your file. The reason for this is you want to see if you're eligible for those VA disability benefits. Um, so even if you currently have health conditions, you could receive disability-based benefits at a later date if you are eligible. Yeah, and for additional benefits, you know, if you're if you're lucky enough to, to live near or retire near a military base, um, like we did have here in this area, you might be able to take advantage of some of the other services that retirees can get. Um, like retirees and their families, they can enjoy on post privileges like gas stations, um, the commissary, the you know, PX, yeah. uh, class six, um, and and gyms. Um, so there's, there's some other benefits out there you want to take advantage of if you do. And you also might be eligible to receive financial assistance for dental visits, eye care, and, uh, you know, through the federal employees dental vision insurance program. So there's some other things you want to look at. Really cool stuff. And with like a lot of our clients, a lot of people have a second career, you know, in their forties and fifties after they retire. So, you know, there are a lot of transition assistance programs, which help service members transition to civilian life and help with finding a career. You can also get free legal assistance for the rest of their lives. If you're in the military, former military, um, this helps with making wills or any type of, um, if you're going through a divorce or something unfortunate like that, you do get free medical, uh, free, um, excuse me, law, uh, legal advice. So really, really cool stuff. I didn't know all this until, you know, like I said, I started working here. Yeah. Yeah. Great benefits for the military. So uh, we really appreciate your service if you're in the military and, uh, yeah. you know, just don't, don't overlook all the benefits you have because you deserve them. And, um, yeah, they're there for the taking. So just thought that I think that's a great thing for us to cover. And that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. So um, you want to make sure that you understand your medical insurance if you're under age 65 and you're about to retire, because that's a big deal. You know, medical, we talked about that last week on on the show. Um, You know, some employers offer employees health insurance that you can continue to buy in retirement, um, but most don't, you know. So you need to understand this important aspect of retirement before you retire early, particularly before age 65. You know, at 65, you get Medicare, yeah. but uh, you, you don't if, you, if you're if you younger than 65, so you got to have a plan for that. Yeah, so that gap from retirement to 65 can be very expensive if you're not careful. So you want to make sure you understand the options that are out there, uh, because like you said, Medicare is not available till 65. So you want to shop around and see what healthcare will cost you, just so and you incorporate that into your retirement plan. Yeah, and as we mentioned last week, you know, there's MediShare, there's, um, yeah. you can buy private insurance that tend to be very expensive at that age, but um, you might qualify for the stipend on the uh, Affordable Care Act um, marketplace. Um, if you make under about 65000 for a, a married couple, um, so, you know, there's some options there, but you got to have a plan for that. It's a critical part of your retirement. So just make sure when you go into retirement, you don't go in blind about medical insurance because that, that oftentimes is a deciding factor. Oh, yeah. So uh, good prescription of the week. All right. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. 
Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And you can uh, link to us there, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening, and have a great rest of your week. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.